gather round, circle up, fill the cup, spill the tea, just believe, just believe the diamond dogs are here, and that means that you're not alone. We get one shot at this life, and heaven knows, heaven knows that we try, that we try, the diamond dogs are here. Well, welcome to today's episode of the Diamond Dogs podcast. Um, we are so excited to dive into this episode. Uh, it's a it's a great one as usual. I feel like we say that every week, but we it's do because it's but true. It's true. Yeah. I know we don't tell lies, you guys. We really don't. We do not. Um, so let me get into the recap, and then we're going to jump right into talking about um, what we saw from a leadership perspective here, because there's just a ton, ton of goodness in this episode. So our framing here is the team is traveling to Liverpool, um, to play against its rival. And the history is that they haven't been able to beat this team for the last 60 years. So this is a deep rivalry and obviously, uh, lots of, of history with it, with that 60 year history. Um, also, we see a new character in this episode. Rebecca's old friend, Sassy, shows up, takes a liking to Ted, and uh, eventually they end up spending some more time together. Um, the other element that's happening in Ted's personal life is that his divorce papers come. And so this episode also sees him signing those and just dealing with the emotions that come with a divorce. On the game front, so after a really exceptional pep talk from Nate, <laughs> the team ends up winning the game. Um, they also go out to celebrate at a karaoke bar and lots of fun ensues there. And I think I'll just, um, I'll leave it there. That gives you some context of what was happening. So that the karaoke bar scene uh, is just it's so good. fantastic on so many levels. Watch it a couple of times. You'll, you'll see something new every time. Yeah. This time when I watched it, I don't want to jump ahead too much, but I just got to go to this moment. You know, yeah, my deep affinity for Roy. Yeah, I knew you so were going there. Re- Rebecca sings Let It Go in this episode. And there's just like this like couple seconds that you see yep. Roy mouthing along to the words. And I had never noticed that before. Yep. And then I thought, well, of course he knows the words of because of his niece. I'm sure he's seen yep. Frozen 45 times like anybody yep. with a kid. Sure, in their Phoebe life. runs around and sings yep. it all the time. <laughs> just cracked me up. I love how they have those little nuggets like everywhere you really have to pay attention during the show yeah so yeah anyway all right so what did what did you see this with this episode there's so many things oh to my dig gosh there's so you know i think one of the ones that really stuck out to me at the beginning well and i'll say this i really think this particular episode really encapsulates this whole idea of of knowing who you are and owning who you are and you know they uh, Rebecca and Keely are getting to be friends and she invites him on or she invites Keely to go with her uh, and stay in the suite and it's a big deal and you know as often happens the TV is on and it's playing the looped thing and Rebecca walks in and Keely is you know got a th- it's like waffle iron kind of hair, right? Like, isn't that what it was? It's like straight. Like, cr- thank you. Okay. See, I, I've never crimped uh, the fro, but, um, and she's just sitting there kind of in awe. Um, probably 
I think maybe a little bit embarrassed <laughs> and, and Rebecca sits down next to her and she's like, I don't even remember doing this. And it just runs on a loop. Right. And, um, I love what Rebecca says to her. Cause she's, she looks at her and she says, listen to me, uh, which, and by the way, this episode is also, uh, her what would have been her anniversary with her ex-husband. So there's a lot of, you know, this past that's kind of creeping up yeah. on everybody. And uh, Rebecca looks at her and she goes, we're going to go out. We're going to have a nice meal. We're going to get drunk and we're going to leave the past in the past. And holy cow, I think there's, and what you will see, I think, as you watch this episode is there is so much of that leaving the past in yeah. the past and really owning the moment, uh, you know, seizing the moment, if you will. And, uh, there's just, uh, that just, that happens over and over and over. And the other thing that I think is, is connected with that, uh, is this whole idea of the fact that history doesn't make or define you. Ted comes out and he, he wants to get the team fired up before they get on the bus. And the energy is just not there. It's just not there at all. And they're kind of like, Ugh. he's like, he's like Richmond on three. And they're like, <laughs> and they're just, they're just yeah. not, they're not fired up. Yeah. And Roy's like, what in the world is going on? He's like, you know, we're going to go play Everton. And we always leave. Roy's really pissed. He's like, we always yeah. lose against those guys. And he goes, well, come on. How long has it been? And Beard's writing on the board. And he goes, 60 years. And Beard's like, oh, my gosh. Six, you know, it's like, wow. Okay. Um, I just think that so many of us push the skeletons of the past into a closet. And, you know, if you've ever tried to shove stuff in somewhere, you can shove it for so long before the door doesn't hold. Right. And that stuff yeah. just eventually comes out and you got to take care of it. Yeah. But I think so many of us, especially in leadership are afraid to own those, those moments from the past, those times when we didn't do it well, or we failed. Or I know for me, uh, again, this, what if about is like, well, you've what makes you think it's going to work this time? Like it fa yeah. you failed, you failed here, you failed there. Yeah. Like you tried this, it didn't work. I mean, talk about the, and the whole pivot during COVID, like you tried this, yeah. didn't work. You tried that, didn't work. Tried this, didn't work. Tried that, didn't work. <laughs> I just love the fact um, of, of remembering that failure is an event. It is something that happens. It is not a defining characteristic of who we are. And yeah. I think so many of us, you know, that quote by Jack Canfield, which I love that everything you want is on the other side of fear. Yeah. And it's, I mean, you and I have lived that you yeah. just wrote and published a book. <laughs> uh, we are both in business on our own and we're still standing after this effing pandemic, like, but it's scary and it's hard and there is no shortcut around it yeah. other than owning it and knowing it. And so for me, those were the like, the quintessential things that really stuck out from this lesson. Yeah. I, yeah. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Let's start digging into like some of the actual moments, because I think there's, there's definitely so some um, just leadership genius that happens in yes. this episode too. There's a lot of things that lead up to this win. And a big part of that is Nate um, gets yeah. brave enough to, kind of write a list of, of what, of what he thinks is going on with the team. And he um, gives it to Ted in the middle of the night. It's a really cute scene where Ted can see him like shoving the envelope in and taking it out from under his door. Just really <laughs> funny. And finally he grabs it and he kind of snaps at Nate. He has had a couple of drinks and he's sitting at a desk 
getting ready to sign his divorce paper. So he's yeah. just not in the best headspace <laughs> in that moment. So he kind of snaps at Nate, takes the paper and clearly reads it overnight. And then the next morning, um, there's just this great scene um, between he oh, and Nate so where Ted like just gives a heartfelt apology, asks for, Nate, for Nate's forgiveness, and then convinces Nate to share his thoughts with the team. Um, and I just think, I think really we could spend our next 20 minutes talking 100%. about that particular scene. So I think one of the best pieces is the setup, right? Because they're yeah. getting ready to have this really important meeting up, you know, about this big game. And, you know, I think one of the things that I love so much that comes up over and over and over again is Ted's timing and his intentionality with this timing because he pulls Nate out. of He's like, I need to talk to you for a second. That could have waited, right? Could he have done that later? Sure. He could have. And when, you know, he apologizes, asks for forgiveness. And I just, we were talking before we started uh, recording today about how important it is when you, when you apologize to also ask for forgiveness and give that person the opportunity to give you that, not just accept the apology, but to give forgiveness and for you to accept it. It's a, I think there's something pretty sacred that happens in that moment. And so he, you know, he, he does that, Ted does that with Nate, and then he pulls out the paper. And I love this because I was thinking how many people would love to have this interaction with their leader. He pulls it out and he goes, I read your, I read your thoughts. I read every, he said, I read it. I read them all. And I agree with every one of them. And you can see Nate's like, Mm -hmm. I have like, because I think one of the the biggest fears that we have as we're coming up through the ranks is like, I don't have, for me, I don't have anything to say. And even if I did, nobody would really want to listen. So I'm just going to be quiet. Right. And, and so Ted is validating this. And then, you know, you can see Nate all excited and he goes, he goes, but I'm not going to share them with the team. You are. And Nate's like, da, 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 da. and Ted just, and Ted kind of like leaves him there to deal with that, like walks back into the room with the team and leaves Nate. And Nate's kind of like, you know, takes the breath and he's like, <gasps> and so I think that whole thing, um, Nate walks back in and he's reading from his list and he's really, you know, nervous. But the, you know, the thing that you and I were both laughing about is the way that he, <clears throat> and if you have not, if you have not, uh, seen this this episode or this scene, the way that he gives the feedback to the team, it's pretty harsh. Mm-hmm. But it's harsh in a way that these guys, as professional footballers, respect and understand. And I love the fact that he gave it to them in the language that they would understand. How many of us have been given feedback yeah. that's couched in corporate speak, couched in niceties? It doesn't really get to the point. Yep. You leave a feedback session, you're like. Okay, what was I supposed to? What, I don't even really know what I need to improve because, and you know, at the end, they're like, but you're, t-, you know, you get this, the shit sandwich that we've talked <laughs> yeah, about. Yeah. And at the end, they're like, but you're doing a great job. It's yeah. like, ugh. yeah. And, and I think my most favorite piece, because it's a catalyst for what happens throughout the rest of the episode, is he gives feedback to Roy. And Roy, like, I, and true to Roy's nature, and this is what I love about him, Roy gets up walks to the center of the room and gets right in Nate's space. Right. And Mm -hmm. Nate's like, you know, kind of (laughs) stuttering and stammering. And he starts to read it. And Roy goes, don't you read it? He's like, you look at me in the eyes. Like, don't you read it? And I love this piece because I think we often would default to the notes 
and and I don't think sometimes the notes allow us to be really true. And Nate yeah. just like he's like he's got it. And that I think this also goes to a a, a quote that I love that uh, a version of this that Seth Godin says. Um, that you're always ready, but you're seldom prepared. In other words, like you have to go do it. You have to figure out what works and what doesn't work. And and the way that I heard him explain it, he said, you know, we make this list of things that we're going to do, and like when I get through this list, then then I'll be I'll be I'll be prepared. And yeah. and and so what happens is we get through the list, and then we add five more things to the list, <laughs> and yeah. then we add six more things yeah. to the list. And so he says. Um, He's and he basically calls Roy. He's like, You, you used to be so angry. I loved watching you play. He's like, it's like you were pissed off at the grass. <laughs> you know, he's he's saying this to Roy, like right to his face, nose to nose. And Roy, after he hears it, he turns around and literally rips the bench off of the screws and pulls it up and is so angry. And that is the spark that lights the fire that helps them go win. And if you listen closely, when the game is over, you will hear them talk about the fact that Roy was like a man possessed and that he won or he scored the only goal of the entire game. And that's why they won. And to me, that's like, that's Nate calling out that superpower. But Ted called out the superpower in Nate because he knew that he would be able to uh, deliver it. And it's, I just think one of the greatest lessons in leadership and the challenges that we have as leaders is to call out the greatness that we see in others that they are not able to see in themselves. And I know that people have done that in my life and that's why I'm here and doing the thing I'm doing right now. Same. And I think it's such a great example of how, you know, it's really a leadership development moment where Ted's really, you know, developing Nate. If this is a skill set mm-hmm. if if he's going to have a different kind of career than the one he's got right now. It's a skill set he needs to develop. Yeah. The knowledge is there. He just needs to take it, you know, to the next level. And the fact that Ted recognizes that and gives him the space to do it and he has such a successful, you know, moment here, it's really it's it's special. Well, and I know you really liked a, a piece that uh, I know you like Danny's reaction to I, Nate's. You know, roasting. I feel about Danny. I yeah. love Danny. Danny, of course, you know, I can't remember what the feedback is that Nate says to Danny, but Danny kind of thinks for a second and then he goes, tough but fair. Oh, it's because I just remembered it. It's because he, t- you know, he's always saying football is life, right? Yeah. But your, your defense is death. Oh, that's right. That's what he says. Your defense is death. Goes, yeah, so again, like tough, he hits, fair. Yeah. he hits like, right, you know, yes. hits at the thing. And, and I, I think, I think Danny's response, like if somebody gives us something that is truly well thought out and that, again, I think if we go back to Nate, like Nate's the quiet guy I used to be, I yeah. used to be very intimidated by quiet people, but when you give them an opportunity and I'll go back to this thing that Mike Vacanti says, and that is that given the opportunity, people will surprise you every time. Yeah. And, and that's exactly what happens. And, you know, I think the other thing is uh, that, I, that I loved about this is that Ted gives them the, the, the opportunity the night before the game, pillow fight or movie night. <laughs> and they're all like movie night. He's like, one of these times you're going to say pillow fight. We're never watching another movie together. 
but I, but you know, and it's like, oh, I wonder what the movie is going to be. Gladiator, you know, yeah. or something, you know, war and it's iron, uh, the iron, the iron giant. giant. Yeah. And um, you have to be, you have to be paying attention in this one, but there's, I think he's panning the crowd and Ted says like, you know, be careful at minute 74, I think, because it's going to be a room f- full of grown men crying and Beard's like, I'm going to be one of them. And then right as that scene is ending, you can hear the kid in the movie say, you are who you choose to be. And to me, that just so sums up this episode yeah. of, you know, Keely could have been stuck in who she was before. Rebecca could have been stuck and, you know, this mopey, like this was my anniversary and my marriage turned to shit and my life is terrible and everything is awful. Um, all of these things, but all of these people had an opportunity to truly own who they are and know who they are. And I just, there's magic there. And, yeah. and that, that to me is the, as a leader, that's the challenge. Like, what is the, what is the perfect combination of owning who you are and knowing who you are and where does a leader step into you know, light the spark, pour the fuel on, like fan the flame, like where, where does all that come? And and it's just so much fun to be a part of. Yeah. It's fun to watch it, watch it all um, play out for sure. The other thing that they do in this episode that I really, really love, and it's an easy thing for leaders to miss. Like I see this a lot in, especially in corporate spaces where, you know, maybe you're working on some big effort for a year, you know, like it's a really, um, I've, I've been at organizations that have, you know, had massive new software programs that rolled out and it was a year of everybody's life building it learning how to use it and getting it deployed. And then it's like, nothing ever happened. There's never a, Hey, good job gang. Let's have a party to celebrate. You know, that's such an easy step to miss just in the day-to-day of the push of getting something out. And so I love that at the end of, of the game where he's like, we're going out tonight. We're going to make this town eat it, that, that we, you know, beat them. And they end up going out um, to a karaoke bar, which is funny. And there's some, of course, hilarity that happens at the karaoke bar, but I love that. That's a leadership moment too, of Roy saying, yes. no, we're not going back to our room. Yep. We're going to celebrate this because this was a big yep. moment for this team. And not only are we, I mean, cause they could have, they could have you know, gone somewhere, right. And just kind of celebrated for themselves, but they like, you know, they wind up hammered and many of them shirtless, like walking through the, you know, singing and like, we are going to make an absolute spectacle. And I want to give a shout out to a a mutual friend of ours who remind, who embodies this idea of celebration. Brandon Wilson always asks me and he asks, he asks our group often, if you go back and look at our text messages, when somebody is excited yeah. about something, I'm pretty sure he asked you when you said yeah, that the sure book did. was done. He, sure he did. said, that's congratulations. That's so awesome. Yeah. How are you going How to celebrate? Yeah. He yep. always asks us that. And I think that's, time. that's so good. Cause, cause it's easy to skip over that. Oh, we're tired. We got to go back tomorrow. Like, yeah. yay, we won. But how, because to me, that's what, I mean, sure, the memories of the team winning, right? I'm sure those will live on. But the memories that are made in the karaoke bar, like that's where the jokes come from. That's where the nicknames come from. Yeah. That's where all of the the stuff that lasts, I think, comes from. And it's fun. And to go back to our friend, Beth St. Clair, like work and leadership should be fun. Yeah. It and be. it's that's where relationships happen, right? Yeah. Isn't the fun. That's where you really get deep relationships with people. 100%. Um, 
is, is in those moments. So, okay. A couple of things I want to talk about that happened on at the karaoke bar. Cause there's, yeah. you know, never a missed opportunity for both humor and leadership to show right. up in these moments. So, um, the first is, is we see Ted have his first panic attack. Um, mm, yep. And I say first, just because that's going to be something we see in, in season two, when we start diving into that, um, it definitely becomes a recurring theme. I loved the, like, just an aside for a second. Cause I know, you know, as people who like to geek out about leadership, there's, you know, a lot of conversations happening right now about mental health. Yep. How do we take better care of each other? How do we take better care of our teams? And the portrayal of a panic attack here, I have never had one, but I felt like I was having a panic attack with them. Mm-hmm. Like the way they filmed that That's really good. and the audio that goes with it. Yeah. And like what's, I thought, man, I feel like I understand what that must feel like for somebody better than yeah. I did before I watched that. And again, that's just a attention to detail with the show is, is so helpful. Um, I feel like I learned a ton just by watching him have a panic attack. And that's going to help me the next time I run into somebody who has panic attacks. Right. So the really sweet scene happens between Mm -hmm. he and Rebecca as he has this panic attack. She notices him leave, goes and checks on him and he's in rough shape outside and she helps him breathe and asks him how she can help, wants to make sure he gets home. Okay. Um, I love these moments where we see the real Rebecca um, because at her core, she's a good person and a good leader. She can't help herself. <laughs> right. We see that so many times in season one. Yeah. And it's just a really, really great, well shot, carefully executed scene. It is really good. And I, th- what I appreciated about the show is that Rebecca didn't come with like prescriptive. She was just there. And I think so many times as leaders were like, but I don't know what to do. I don't know how yeah. to deal with somebody with. And, and I think even if you talk to people who suffer with that particular challenge, um, they will tell you, I, it's just good to have somebody there holding my hand and yeah. breathing with me. Like you yep. don't have to know what to do. You just need to be present. And gosh, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like so much of leadership is just being present, right? Being there for the other person and putting yourself on pause and asking good questions and and being supportive. And as you said, they, they did that in spades here. Yeah. So and good. it's, it's also just paying attention. You know, the fact that she noticed that something was wrong, something right. was happening for him and she followed up that alone. Like, do you know how many leaders are in the world that don't do that? Like, don't, don't take the step to follow up um, and find out what's happening with an employee. Um, you know, it, it happens a lot. And if we think about, like, if we put this in a real world scenario, I mean, she just sang a song really well. She's got an incredible voice, (laughs) right? People are blown away by the fact that she can do this. So she could have totally been caught up in everybody giving the accolades and, hey, way to go, and just could have totally ignored Ted. And so to me, that's a real opportunity that she took to be selfless and not feed the ego. Yeah. Completely agree. Completely agree. Okay. Well, I want to switch us into, you know, the, the big theme of this episode, in my opinion is, is motivation engagement. Mm -hmm. You know, how do we pull together and, and make big things happen? And I think Mm -hmm. so much of this is connected to your work and what you do. And for those Mm -hmm. who haven't read 
Jason's book, pick up a copy. It's fantastic. Um, but I just think Thank there's you. a lot of lineup here between those concepts and what's happening this episode. So I just want to deep dive a little bit on what tips that you would have for people who are really trying to become more authentic, step mm-hmm. up to the plate more often. Um, what tips do you have for people who, who that's the space they're operating in right now? First of all, I'll say this. It is, it, it's, I heard a distinction a couple of years before I started in business for myself. You know, you hear people talk about, I have to do this and I have to do that. Like I have to go to this meeting. I have to do this. Yeah. And I heard somebody do a distinguished, a, dis, a distinction um, and said, it's not a have to, it's a get to. And I think, I mean, I know from what you talk about with your work that it's definitely a get to, it's definitely a get to for me. So I get to walk beside people in a time that they are open to the question of, am I doing what I should be doing? And if I'm not, how do I make those changes? And so there are a couple of very easy things that people can do. And I think we may have talked about the the feedback exercise. Um, We'll put that back in the show notes again, if you miss that. Um, But that's one. And another thing that I do with folks is, you know, so often we, you know, we go to, we go to college, we study the thing we think we should study. We get the job in the field of the thing that we studied. Um, We work in that job. uh, We start making some money. um, You know, we get out on our own, we start having some things and we start climbing the ladder and we do those things. And so what happens is it, it almost gets locked into this, you know, we're just on autopilot and, you know, I talked to several people who 10, 15 years in, they're like, I'm, yeah, I'm making good money. Um, I've got a good position. I've got a nice title. I'm miserable. Yeah. And so sometimes it doesn't take 10 years. I was, it's oh, funny. I was yeah, just having yep. a conversation with a, a group that I'm um, helping to facilitate of, of really kind of youngish professionals. Mm-hmm. And the number of them who are like 25, 26, who were like, is this it? Like, this is life now. This is what we do. And I remember I have, I, I absolutely had a quarter life crisis and I'm proud of it at mm. about that age where Good I was like, I, I'm just going to get up and come to this job every day. Like this, <laughs> this is my life. This is what I'm doing. And, you know, I think that's a really, really common thing. It's much more common than we realize. Cause I think a lot of people don't talk about it when it's happening. Yeah, no, I, th- I, a hundred percent agree. And I think part of the reason that we don't talk about it is because when we look around, we think everybody else has it figured yes. out with us. Yes. We're <laughs> the sure only that, one that feels this way. Right. I can't talk I'm to somebody sure, else about it. Yeah. I'm sure that with that group that you have, that you, whether they're saying it out loud or whether it's happening internally, there are people going, Oh, somebody else feels the way I do. I'm yeah. sure there's a lot of me too moments happening yeah. with like, I thought I was the only one that that happened to. I thought I was the only one that was dealing with that. So this whole idea of getting to know, and you know, I ask every time I'm on stage and speaking, which I've haven't, I've haven't been on many like actual physical stages since COVID, but I've had the opportunity to stand in front of hundreds and sometimes a couple thousand people. And the question that I ask every time because I think it's an important question to ask is what sets your heart on fire. Yeah. And I'm telling you, it is a place of privilege to be on that stage and to see the responses of people because you can, there's such an array of responses. Some people lean in because they're like, huh, I've never thought about that before. 
But I see several people when I ask that question who are responding with regret, at least what looks like regret from where I'm standing. Like, oh, it's like this this pain. The one that the the people that I want to go search out after it's over are the people who will not look me in the eye. Yeah. who are like, it's that's just too painful of a thing. And I think that we get into this rut and this funk to think like, this is my life now, like you said. So this is yeah. this is it. This is this is the thing. I just go to the job every day. This is <laughs> and and damn it, it that's not the thing. It's not yeah. the thing. And we we I think we've been socialized into thinking that this, you know, this is this is just what you do. And you hope for the best ride until you're 65. <laughs> and then you retire, hopefully, with some money that you can, you know, maybe not be a Walmart greeter. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, no, 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 no. So I think really asking, I think one thing you can you can try to do if you're trying to be on this journey. And one of the things I do with my clients is I say, all right, on one side of a piece of paper. I want you to write down everything that you love to do work-wise, right? What kind of work is it? Who do you like to do it with? Do you like to lead or do you like to follow? Do you like to be on long-term projects or short-term projects? Are you a framer? Are you a finisher? Are you a maintainer? Um, do you want to lead the group? Do you want to be a co-leader? Do you want this thing to last a really long time? Do you want to work remote? Do you want to travel? You know, all those things. And then flip the page over because I think for some people, it's it's actually easier to start on the second side. And that is write down all the things that you don't want to do. Yeah. And sometimes we just aren't honest with ourselves on the things that we don't want to do because we feel like we're complaining or whatever. But it's interesting to me when you... Because there may be pieces and parts of jobs that sound really exciting. Like I love sales. I love challenging people. I love doing that piece. I don't want to be a road warrior that's spending 30 weeks on planes and in hotels. Yeah. Though I love that kind of a job. And I think so often we go, well, it has to be this or that. Yeah. No, it can be this and that, especially in COVID. You know, people are 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 clamoring for for help and for good talent. And I think we're at a time where you can start to name some of the things that you want or that you'd like to have. And that it's no longer dictated solely by the employer. And so yeah. I think asking ourselves those questions and then here's the piece that's hard for some having the courage to then go out and ask it because writing these things down on a piece of paper, isn't going to do you any good. If you don't share it with anybody, if you don't stand up for like Nate wrote the stuff down on the piece of paper and he gave it to Ted, he could have just written it down in a journal and kept it for himself, yeah. but he gave it to Ted and that was the catalyst. So doing something with it is the key. Yeah. I think that's super true. The other thing I'm just thinking about, and, and, and let's talk about this from a leadership perspective too. So if you've got potentially some folks on your team who you can see are struggling in some way, shape or form with motivation, engagement, super um, common right now, numbers are low, um, burnout yeah. numbers are high. That's always yeah. going to affect engagement. So if I'm seeing that as a leader, what are some ways I can ask some questions and try to get to the bottom of what's like, what advice do you have there, Jason? So I think back to so many of the conversations that I had with not, not great bosses that I've had, but other bosses that I've had where the interactions were so surface level were, were forced, were scheduled, 
because we had to have a one-on-one, right? So we, you know, it's scheduled. It's it's very scripted. I think, and and we've talked about this so far on the show, and that is taking time to get to know the person for who they are and what's going on, because they may be disengaged at work, and you may be telling yourself a whole story of why they're disengaged, right? That they're in over their head, that you know, they're they're people, they they can't handle what they're doing, whatever it happens to be. Well, you may find out in those conversations that a parent is sick and and maybe dying, that they're struggling with a kid who has mental health um, issues, that they're struggling with their own mental health. And I think allowing for that space and Listen, if you're a leader who's never done this before, this is not something you can just spring on somebody. You can't just show up and be like, so what's going on? Are you struggling with mental health? That's not (laughs) going to work. There has to be relationships. But I just think, and and this doesn't have to be an hour long ordeal. This can be a, hey, um, I'm doing a check-in with all my team this week. And I just really want to know. And so when we meet this week, sending sending an email to everybody, I want to check in on, on what are the what are the two biggest challenges that you're having at work? And what are the two biggest challenges that you're having at home? And by the way, I'm going to share mine with you. Yep. Because what you're doing is you're creating safe space for them to do that. If you're not sharing yourself, chances are they're going to think that you're going to use that for a weapon sometime down the road. Yeah. Yeah. But you, so it, and, and, and it's as easy as that. And I am a man, I'm telling you, if you do this, try it. I'd love to hear, we'd love to hear how it goes, put it out there in the world and see what happens. My guess is you're going to be, I'm going to use a a British term that I love. You'll be gobsmacked by what happens and the feedback that you get. It won't be what you expect. Yeah. I agree with that. So much. Yeah. The other thing I would just throw out is like a, a food for thought is I've certainly experienced this as an employee and as a leader. I think there are also these moments in time where potentially what a person is struggling with is connection with the organization, like connection Mm -hmm. with the organization and what their work is Mm -hmm. and how does it matter? So Mm -hmm. many people have a deep need for their, their work to matter. And, you know, when you look into that, of course you do, you spend a lot of your time working, you want it to matter in some way to the bigger, you know, scheme of, of the world. And I had a leader you know, I wouldn't even necessarily call him a phenomenal leader. You know, he had, he was, he was certainly human. (laughs) He had both (laughs) things that I really loved about him and things that were not my favorite, but one thing that he did really, really well. And this was one of my leaders I had at the CIA is he took, um, the organization's like mission. So there was always like a, a yearly, this is what's most important to us this year. He would take that and literally figure out how do my goals, how do my specific role goals, like the things I'm mm. working on, how do those connect to that bigger mission? I have never had a leader do that. He took your your goals, you my both, goals, not him personal, as a leader. No, nope, okay. my goals, That's really what cool. I was working on and connected it to the mission of the CIA. And as a support staff person, I was a support staff person my entire career. Sometimes it's hard to connect to that bigger mm-hmm. mission. You're not the pointy end of the spear. That's a super popular phrase. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're part of the stick <laughs> and then right. sometimes it's hard to see, okay, how am I really helping and impacting that bigger mission? And 
it, it, I remember the day he had that conversation with me, I was like, I feel completely different about my work now. Like I feel completely different. Mm, and it's not so that good. I wasn't engaged before, but he, he went that extra step to say your work matters. And this is right. how um, it's going to help this organization get better. That's the thing that came to mind when you were talking about that, which I think we should also link in the show notes. Cause I'm still amazed at how many people haven't seen it. Um, Simon Sinek's Ted talk oh, about the compelling why, why. Yeah. start with why the gold, I think he calls it the golden circle. Yeah. Um, so good. So simple. It's made him a bajillionaire. Um, so much that didn't we talk about that? That Brene Brown had him in her phone to like, go, do we talk about that? I can't remember if we talked about that here. I don't think so. I think you and I've had that conversation. Yeah. Brene Brown called him because she needed somebody, um, to fill in last minute for, uh, uh, talk that she was supposed to give and she couldn't make it because something came up with her family. So, um, yeah, wouldn't it be nice to just be able to shoot a text message to Simon Sinek or Brene Brown and say, Hey, right? can, you, can you hang, can you, can you step in for me on this one? <laughs> That'd be nice. You know, we, you know what? We have that Jason. We're just at a different level. We have, we, yes, we, we do. Pick up. We, we have do. that. 100%. It's, it's just not Simon Sinek. That's all. Right. It's not, it's not Brene yet, you know, right. but right. I did meet her once and inappropriately stalked her, but that's a different story. I did the same thing with Seth Godin. You, yeah. you fangirled and I fanboyed. That's I mean, right. we just, we do what we do. That's right. I don't know. I'm not well, proud this of was, it, but... this was a fan. I, I, I mean, I feel like we could have done literally an entire season on this one episode. It's so, there's so much here. And I know this was long and I hope you're still hanging with us listeners, but um, go back and dig into some of the stuff that we've talked about the, the doing, you know, listening to a podcast is great, but there's gotta be a do making a list is great. There's gotta be a do thinking about a conversation is great. There has to be a do that goes with that. There has to be an action step to give momentum and fuel and fire to those, those goals and dreams and those actions. Yep. And if you need help, you know how to get a hold of us. Indeed. Thanks for joining us for the Diamond Dogs podcast. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the show. You can find us on Instagram at the Diamond Dogs podcast or wherever you like to listen.